Hey guys, it's Olivia, and welcome back to Real and Relentless. On today's episode, I chat with Corey Brett about his new album, Wide Awake. We cover everything from what's behind the music to his release show and what he's doing in the upcoming months. I absolutely can't wait for you guys to hear this. I felt like we had an awesome conversation, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Have fun, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's podcast episode starring Corey Breath. After months and months and months of trying to plan the podcast, we are finally here. How does it feel? It feels great. So good to be here. <laughs> are you so excited? That's right. Yes, I am. <laughs> I went to your Wide Awake release party at the warehouse just a few months ago and was honestly like super blown away by your music. Absolutely awesome. blown away. <laughs> awesome. I was trying so hard the entire time not to cry. And I don't even know what it was about the music other than it being amazing but it really hit home with me as I feel like it probably does with so many other people. And for that, I just want to say thank you. I was even more excited to have you on the podcast after I had experienced that in person because I could see how much life and how much of your heart you brought into your music. Yeah. It's amazing that you came and uh, took the risk to, to listen to me because you know, I don't think you had you had heard me beforehand. So it was uh, it was a magical night and I tried not to cry, but I cried about four times, I think. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it was uh, it was a special night for me. How did the release of the album feel? How much time went into creating that? Um, wow, it took a few years to write this. This is my third record. And uh, I really wanted to take my time because all of the, of the releases beforehand had taken so long. Um, or they, they had not been done the way I wanted to to do them. So uh, this one, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cut some some years out and just try to get it right. And we we crowdfunded. Uh, and then I did a lot of the recording down in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, it took a few years to answer the question. It took uh, almost <laughs> three years, I would say. I started writing. Um, I, I started writing in the beginning of 2018. So, wow. Yeah. So that's um, crazy. Almost, almost three years. <laughs> you see a release like that and you hear all the music and you just think, oh my gosh, here it is. You don't realize how much time, effort and work goes into right. those songs. And not only that, but the stories that are behind all of that music, because I could feel this isn't just a song to you. This is like your life. This is experience. Right. Right. And that's what, that was another shift I wanted to make with this one. I felt like with my writing for a long time, I was just trying to kind of navigate my own feelings or pain or whatever. And this this release was like, you know what? Let's be intentional about um, the words that uh, I sing and the words that um, I give people. Uh, you know, I think as a worship leader, it's really important to prompt people um, with with truthful words. You know, uh, and I think I wasn't really recognizing that in my own writing, uh, being intentional with my writing and 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 speaking truth in my songs and what I believe in. So this album was a big shift for me. That's part of the reason it's called Wide Awake is just because I I felt like, you know, I was writing about my feelings and my emotions and not necessarily about what I believe in. So um, I tried to capture that. And I think I think we captured that um, in this in this record. What was the turning point for you from writing from emotion and feeling to trying to direct people to God or to try to speak out of that truth that you speak of? Yeah. So uh, 
right before I started writing all these songs, I uh, I won't say it, it was one moment, but I think the Lord was really working on me um, and convicting me to uh, to write about Him, mostly because um, you know I think my greatest joy is Jesus, so uh, my life should be about Jesus, and my music should be about Jesus, and my marriage should be about Jesus, and I was missing I, I was missing the mark. I think. I think that's another thing I want to say before we continue is just, I miss the mark. Um, I've missed the mark most of my life. Um, and I've made most of my life about myself. And I think, uh, it was really important for me to, um, to really shift and make music about, you know, where I, where I get my music from is, you know, inspired by the Lord. And, um, I, I think I was just missing it for so long and I'm not the example of, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a good example of a Christian. I, I fall short just like Paul does. I do what I don't want to do and I don't want to do what I do want to do. And um, so for, for me, uh, I guess all of that is to say I had a conversation with um, my pastor, Jamie Wellman. Um, I'm a worship leader in Piqua in a little church called Cornerstone Piqua. And uh, we had a conversation and I was really I was wrestling with social media and kind of this uh, the portrayal of my life and perception. And it was like, I felt like I was just posting the highlights of my life and not really sharing who I really was and uh, in Christ, I should say. Um, and I just was feeling convicted about that. We were, we were kind of talking about that. I was wrestling with it. And um, I was like, am I doing the right thing, writing these songs about my life and my struggles and my pain? Um, and I kind of asked him that point blank. And he was like, I think it's, you know, I think it's great to share your heart, but I think you know, as long as you're pointing to the Lord, uh, I think that's what he wants you to do. And uh, it was like, oh, man, like if my social media needs to point to Jesus, I need to point to Jesus in, in my songs. Um, so that's kind of when, when the, the writing shift happened um, is, is a couple of years ago, really. Um, I don't know if I <laughs> if I answered that question correctly. But. No, you answered it awesome. <laughs> and even just you saying you don't feel like the perfect example of a Christian, I feel like all of us could feel like that. Even with sure. the podcast, sometimes I'm like, I'm not this pristine individual. I'm not this perfect individual, but I don't think that's the example we need as people. I think right. we need real people with real stories, with real experiences. Mm -hmm. And your struggle too with social media and your image and portraying that through your music I think a lot of us can relate to that and we can relate to feeling like times that our highlights don't match up with our low points and your music is also illuminating those points of life we all need. That's what music's for. You know how many times I've been in my car and I'm like, this song, I've listened to your music and felt like that song could hear me better than many other people in my life. And that's what we turn to music for. And that's sure. making a really big difference in not only my life, but in a lot of people's lives. You opening up your heart and you being vulnerable with your life is helping change so many other people and you don't even realize it. It it, uh, it feels daunting or it feels intimidating when you say that <laughs> uh, like that because, you know, I, I, I think about the platform that I have um, that I've been blessed with, uh, but then I, I get overwhelmed when I think about that. Um, but that's really what I, I, I meant to say, you know, is like my writing um, is... Uh, should be influenced with by by my beliefs, and you know, as long as I'm, uh, you know, encouraging people and inspiring people and pointing to people to the Lord uh, in my writing, I think um, I think that's where I should be, and 
I don't know if that made any sense, but <laughs> I totally feel it. <laughs> I think it makes perfect sense. So what first inspired you to write music, get into singing, playing guitar? And was there a first song that was released and kind of what was that about? Okay. So how did I get started? Mm -hmm. How'd okay. you get started in music? So I was, uh, really intrigued and interested, uh, in music at an early age. Uh, my kindergarten teacher actually had an upright piano and we would do like three songs a day. And I just really looked forward to that. Um, it sticks out to me more and more as I, as I learn, like go back and, and try to remember, but I don't, um, I don't remember a lot of schooling, but I remember like these music moments. <laughs> and so it started in kindergarten with, with my kindergarten teacher. And then, you know, I was in elementary school programs and middle school musicals, and it just kind of kept rolling, uh, through the, through my, through my formative years. Uh, and then I picked up guitar, um, I think early middle school, I want to say, and I, I hated it because it, it was kind of like I had to, you know, do my 15 minutes of practice a day and, and it felt like a chore. Um, and then I think, you know, I, I, I recorded a terrible, I don't know if many people know about this, but there's like a hundred copies of it um, that I made. I, I, I used to run home my senior year of high school. I made a cover album and I just handed it out to all my my high school friends uh, before we left from high school. Like, I want you to remember me here. Here's some recordings. <laughs> And then I didn't really take it seriously after that. But then I got to college. I went to Bowling Green um, in Ohio, not Kentucky. A lot of people think uh, <laughs> Kentucky when I say Bowling Green. But I went to Bowling Green and I was uh, I was the guy on the floor, uh, the dorm floor that had the guitar. So I think people were like, you know, just curious about that <laughs> and excited about that. And then that made me excited. And I would play uh, I would play shows on uh, in, in the dorm lounges all the time. And it would be like 45 people. I remember distinctly, I remember one weekend, it was like a Sunday at one or something. And I remember a couple guys came into my dorm room and they were like, Hey, you want to go play in the lounge? There's going to be a few people in there. You can play some new covers or whatever. And, uh, I was like, sure. And there's like 45 people in the dorm lounge. And I think that really ignited the fire of playing for like, you know, uh, intimate engaged crowds. And that's where, that's kind of where that started. And then that turned into, I played, uh, I played for the university. Like I was, I played on campus um, for different events and all that. And then, and then it rolled into like playing downtown, downtowns and then bars and restaurants, uh, coffee shops, all those things. And then that I got kind of hit by the bug there um, towards the end of college. And I just kept booking and kept recording. Um, actually, I started recording about a decade ago with a good friend named Corey Hall from Chillicothe, that's my hometown. And uh, he got me started, actually, Oh Holy Night, it's it's almost Christmas, and uh, Oh Holy Night brought us together. I was asked to do this charity album and I didn't have the way to record it. So um, Corey Hall offered to record it. And then he was like, what do you wanna do with your music? And I was like, oh, I wanna record, I wanna write songs and record them. This is 2011. And uh, we started, we, we recorded an EP that no longer is out <laughs> and, uh, and then we played like 16 shows and did this big release uh, release concert. And that's that's when I really was like, I want to do this all the time. I just want to keep sharing songs and and recording. And and uh, that was that was a starting point there. So that was a long winded way of saying, like, I've 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 been singing since I was little 
and I don't know what else to do but sing. <laughs> That's incredible. I feel like there's no better experience than really being around someone with a guitar that can sing. There's something about the togetherness that brings. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you felt this so many times performing, but being around that and being in that atmosphere is so, I don't know, it just feels like you're bringing everybody in that room together. Like there's something everybody's yeah. feeling with that music and we're all bringing our emotions, our personal feelings to kind of sing this together, to feel this together. Right. And I can only imagine how you felt doing all this, like your whole life leading up <laughs> to this point. Yeah. When you first released a song and you had it out on platforms, was that scary? Uh, yes and no. I was just excited to have it out and I don't, I wasn't really thinking about like the fear or like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I would probably, probably was terrified. Um, but I was just excited, uh, just kind of on fire to, to share the songs. And I am still, I still get really excited to share the songs, but I'm, yeah, I, I'm a head case a lot of the time. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to, uh, anywhere in between on the new record, I talk about being a head case and being a mess. So I'm, I'm basically, I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of anywhere in between, do you want to chat about that a little bit? That sure. song is yeah. so good. And we were just yeah. talking before we got on the podcast about everything that song encompasses. And I think everyone would probably like to hear about it. Yeah. So you, you had mentioned the highs and lows, um, and, and how people need to, to, to hear that. Um, you know, and I, I really, that song came to me one night. Um, I was just sitting at the piano and I had my guitar and I had my writing stuff out. And uh, it basically, I, I wrote the whole song in one sitting right there, just like 10 or 15 minutes. And uh, I just, I really wanted a song that's like, I think, I think I just wanted a song that was like, you know, I'm a mess, but the Lord isn't. So the first two verses are, uh, you know, I, I've experienced the highs and lows of life. I'm a mess. And then the third verse uh, points to the Lord and, and, um, it, it says, but the Lord's got a hold of me. He's not letting go. His grace and his mercy always overflow. I know I'm not good enough, but I don't have to be. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. Um, and then it goes on. But um, it was just really, it was for me, it was like, gosh, um, it was so important for me to this. That was the, really the turning point song. So after that conversation that I mentioned with Jamie, um, it was like, I felt, I felt the Lord's conviction on my heart too to share uh, that I am a sinner and that I mess up and that I, I, I experience these lows, the lowest of lows. And I, I feel like that's true. I felt, I felt very low in my life and I've also experienced uh, great joys. And um, it just felt right as after I wrote those two verses, like, man, I, I, um, I don't have it together. Jesus does, let's point to him. So um, I hope, I hope it did that successfully. <laughs> when I listened to it, I was kind of amazed even the way that you tied in your words, the way that you spoke through your songs, because your songs aren't just, you know, I'm singing along. I'm like hearing your music. I mm -hmm. listen to your voice and I'm listening to the story it tells. Your music does tell a story. I feel like every single song I've listened to, I'm like, oh my gosh, like when I listen to it, I feel different emotions through sure. every single song. And that's cool too, that you were at the uh, the release show to kind of hear, because I, I took my time a little bit more. When I play live, I don't, I usually let the songs kind of speak for themselves, but I think for for that that night, I kind of explained and gave more backstories on the song. So it's cool that you were you were there for that to hear that. How has COVID changed? You know, you're performing and stuff because obviously listening on Spotify, Apple Music, mm -hmm. it's all phenomenal. But in person, 
I could just see your heart and I could feel it in the music. And that was amazing. And I'm sure you feel yeah. that when you get to get that crowd roaring and singing with you, like that has to feel so good. Yeah. For me, it's been a really, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say well-timed pandemic because it's been awful. Um, but it couldn't have been better in my timeline of life. Uh, because my wife and I just had a baby in March. So right when the lockdown happened, we had a baby. So it was like, don't leave your house, uh, spend time with your baby. And we were like, okay. <laughs> uh, so for me, it's it's changed my show, you know, my booking and that sort of thing. I've kind of gone back to what I used to do a lot, um, which is playing like restaurants and bars and wineries. Um, and thankfully, the places that are still booking and doing doing um, the safe uh, the safe bookings and all that, um, have had me kind of regularly. So a, a couple of places here in town and, and in the area. So, uh, it's funny because I really was trying to grow, um, each year I was trying to kind of expand regionally. So 2017, I did a local coffee shop tour. 2018, I played multiple States, like a lot of house shows. And that's really what I want to do. I want to play house shows. I love house shows. There's nothing like it. And then the next year I, I toured with Edward and Jane, um, a duo out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, and so I just tried to expand each year and I was, I was like praying through 2020 and what, what it was going to be like. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just kind of scale, scale it back with the baby being here. And then it just happened. It just happened that way. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I mean, obviously everything with COVID, it's been such highs and lows, highs mm -hmm. in the sense of we bring closer community. I feel like our families, like you having a baby, you being able to stay right. home with your baby, that probably felt so good. But obviously there's a lot of loss and there's a lot of different things happening in the world with everything, with COVID. But I do feel like you do really good at those intimate shows. Do you ever see yourself like selling out an arena? What is your dream? <laughs> like with performing, do you have a dream that you've always wanted to do and you haven't reached yet? Um, I think, you know, <laughs> we talked about like growing up and, and, uh, music growing up and, uh, for a long time, I just wanted a, to be a backstreet boy, you know, <laughs> I just wanted, <laughs> uh, I wanted that fame. And, and I think, uh, you know, the longer, the longer it goes, the more I'm like, you know what, I just, I, I found contentment in just, in sharing these songs with people in whatever scale, whatever capacity. So a lot of this, this record is actually about just kind of finding contentment, um, being content with, with where you are. The first song is about that, uh, paint me a picture. And, um, then there's a track called chasing a dream. That's actually about what you just asked me about, because, um, a lot of people kind of come at me that way or, or not come at me, but a lot of people, uh, encourage me by saying like, you're going to make it on the radio or. Uh, you know, I, I knew you win that kind of thing. And I love that. I love that encouragement, but really it's, it's, um, you know, I'm not necessarily chasing that, that idea. I'm not really chasing, um, you know, selling out, uh, stadiums like Ed Sheeran does with an acoustic guitar. I can't believe he does that. It's insane. Um, <laughs> it's really cool, but, uh, it's for me, it's more just, I think I just need to be content with, with where I am. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, uh, Jesus is my greatest joy. And so if I'm, if I'm singing about him to 12 people that are sitting on a floor in a living room, um, <laughs> praise the Lord. So, um, but for me, yeah, I, I just, I think, uh, 
that's the second verse in Chasing a Dream is exactly, um, it's, it's to those people that encourage me that way. It's just basically saying like, you know, I'm not necessarily going after that, but I, I just love to share music. Um, and, and the people don't mean it that way. They don't mean like, you know, here's the success and you're not there yet. Uh, but it, it feels that way sometimes, you know, I think because we measure success in streams and radio play and, and those tours and all that. And that's not necessarily, um, that's not necessarily mm -hmm. success. You know what no, I mean? <laughs> absolutely not. And we learned that, you know, we can lead one person through our music. We can lead one person, touch one person, touch one life. That's the most important thing. That's at the end of the day, what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. And that has to feel really good. Like you said, that's how mm -hmm. you want to serve people is through right. your music. Right. And nothing else matters other than that. If those things happen, awesome. Thank you, God. If not, you're still worshiping and you're still just as called as anybody else's. Right. Right. Do you still play? So I know you're a musician. I'm not going to try to like <laughs> turn this on you, but I, you mentioned that when I first got here that you um, that you played. I, do you still play? What's that look like? <laughs> I do still play some. I love to write music. I've been writing cool. since I was little. So I've yeah. written for a really long time, but I love it too. Like that's yeah. one of the big reasons I love music is just bringing it together, bringing people together. And then, you know, like you do, um, you know, sharing your vulnerabilities with everybody else right. brings people together. Yeah. And you mentioned that earlier, bringing people together just with an acoustic guitar. And it made me think of John Foreman of Switchfoot. He does these uh, after shows. After Switchfoot shows, you know, it's like 10,000 people or whatever it is. Um, and then he'll post on Twitter like, hey, I'm playing an after show behind the venue and 30 people show up and so cool. he just plays like five or six songs and everybody sings along. And it's just like, it's it's better than the, the Switchfoot show, in my opinion. Uh, some people might hear that and be like, what? What are you talking about? Um, but I think I've been, I've gravitated towards those types of ideas, just bringing like a whatever capacity of, of people together just with one song or one verse or like morning dove is is this like anthemic song that brings people together and i i just love uh i love doing that <laughs> it feels less uniform and more authentic when it's kind of hey we're about to rip out the guitar and we're gonna play a song and we're all gonna have a good time like yeah, that it, feels yeah. really really real like you're just sure. in the mood to jam and have a good time yeah you mentioned morning dove and we talked about mm -hmm. it prior sure. um we kind of talked about COVID with Morning Dove and how many different areas of life that song alone could touch. Did you have a specific inspiration for that? And how do you feel people perceive that song? Yeah, so that song was a really neat uh, way of, of a song coming to me. <laughs> uh, I actually heard a Morning Dove singing. Um, it's that but it's a little bit lower than that. Uh, and I heard it and it just put me in this Think, thinking like, oh man, I love, I remember those birds growing up. I love those birds. And then it just kind of spiraled into thinking of a happy bird singing a sad song. So I started Googling morning doves and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, this seemingly happy bird that has it all together, that's flying around, uh, still sings the sad songs of, of morning. Um, so for me, it, that's where it, that song kind of started um, because I think we're made like that. I think we're made, uh, we're creatures of of mourning and lament and sadness, and we're supposed to you know, lead towards those uh, those feelings. Um, we're supposed to to carry each other's burdens um, and and be vulnerable, like you said. And uh, that song is really an invitation song to do that for people. Um, you know, it's it's 
you know, don't, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay um, to sing your song. And then the other part of the invitation is I'll sing the song with you. So I think it's been really good for me to um, be okay with sharing my pain, but then also inviting other people to share in their pain and knowing that other people will listen. So I think it's just so important to know. Um, like I, I think you said in the last podcast that you're, you're known and loved and um, you know, we need more people to say those things to each other and just like uh, reaching out to brothers. Uh, I think this song is, has caused me to just reach out to people and be like, how are you doing? You know, <laughs> checking in, really doing check-ins um, and, and, and not necessarily asking them to, to just dump on you, but asking, you know, inviting them to, to sing their song of pain um, or, or mourning. So that's, I think that's what that song um, is supposed to be. <laughs> I think that song holds a lot of empathy. Um, it feels like a really big hug. When I listened to that song, it oh. felt kind of like someone came up to me and wrapped their arm around me. It was like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to cry through this with you. I'm going to be through this with you. I'm going to love through this with you. I'm going to walk through this with you. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's what we need as people is that community and that nudge on the shoulder. That's like, Hey, you're not alone. You have me. I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to walk through this season with you no matter what it looks like. Right. And that's what I felt when I listened to that song. That song made me tear up when you were <laughs> singing that song. I was like, Oh my gosh. And I realized like the back and forth with morning and morning. Oh, like yeah, good morning, yeah. <laughs> like the morning dove, but also the morning dove, like morning and the sign of sadness. Right, and right. I don't know. It was just really <laughs> impressive to me how you did that because I felt the flip. I felt the switch in that. Um, That's cool. And I loved it. It yeah. was really, really good. I, I, had, um, <laughs> I had written most of that song uh, and then I took it down to the studio and I actually got to work with Will Solomon, who is an amazing singer songwriter out of Lexington, Kentucky. And we, um, ended up writing the anthemic bridge, uh, the second half of the song together. And I, I have never felt that way about writing a song. Like usually I'm like, eh, is that okay? And then I'll play it for, for Mary and be like, what do you think back and forth? And like, I share it with some people and there's just a lot of doubt and a lot of editing and all this. And Will and I, um, Played, just started kind of jamming on that uh, chord progression and singing, go and sing your song and I'll sing along. Uh, I'll be by your side right here, right now in this moment. And we just kept going and, and singing it over and over again. And it was like, man, this feels so good. It feels exactly like what you said, a warm hug. And um, I couldn't have done that song without Will. Yeah. <laughs> How did you make these awesome connections with these really cool people? I feel like <laughs> at your release, you had thanked so many people. And I feel like you have so many oh people gosh. a part of this journey with you, yeah. which also kind of coincides with we can't walk alone. And yeah. having these people to encourage you and bring light into your life and in your journey with music to touch other people's hearts, that has to feel so good. It's uh, it's insane the amount of people that have been a part of this record. And you asked in the beginning how long it took, and it took so long because there were so many people involved in so many different timelines and that sort of thing. So it's been really neat to have different song songwriters on songs and uh, Becca Schoeninger, who made a coloring book to go along with the record. So we wanted to create this different experience of, you know, you're coloring the, the pages as you're listening to the music and um, it's been, it's been crazy, the amount of support. And, and like I said, we crowdfunded $7,500 and it was like, I couldn't have done it without all those donors. And, and I mean, it's insane. Uh, yeah, I think like you said, when 
uh, let me let me back up. It's crazy to think about. Uh, You're okay. Okay, really quick too. At thirty minutes, it'll stop me, and I start another thirty okay. minutes. We okay. have like two and a half minutes, okay. so whatever you want to say, and then I'll be okay. like. I'll go like this to you and I'll let you know we have to start another segment, but okay. you can go, keep yeah. going, whatever you're saying. Yeah. Um, just the connections. I think, uh, it, it wasn't anything that I did. Um, I just, you know, I played a show with Edward and Jane and the guy that was running sound was like, Hey, I have a studio in town. And, and then it's like, you know, Will's, Will's working in the studio. It just kept, it was like, it was obviously the Lord orchestrating all of this because it was just so obvious that he was doing this when I look back at it. Um, but yeah, exactly. It was like, how, how are all these connections happening? Like I didn't know any of the people that, uh, that were on this, that, that were all a part of this record five years ago. I didn't know like any of them <laughs> except for Corey Hall, who I mentioned earlier, but everybody else is new and just kind of part of the, the thread and the, the timelines. It's been an amazing blessing to be a part of. It's really cool how God introduces you to the people you need when you don't even realize you need the people. Right. <laughs> he has a really cool way of giving you people to walk with in different seasons of your life and coming into the season of a new album and all of this awesome stuff and having all these really cool people. I feel like you just have such a cool story behind this album. It's not just yeah. an album. It's not right. just music. It's, right. it's a story. Yeah, it really I is. Love it. So right now you're releasing each song individually after the album has already been on all streaming platforms. What's your purpose behind that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> so I know we're living in this kind of single song release world and EPs and, and everybody's like, don't do full albums. Even I think Blake Shelton has said like, he's not going to do full albums anymore. Um, that's so interesting. Be, yeah, because people don't listen to full albums anymore, in quotes. And I totally I'm do. Like, yeah, I do too. I, that's <laughs> all I listen to. Like, I don't listen to single songs unless it's like my friends putting them out. You know, I, I love listening to, to records front to back. And I always have. And uh, that's what this one was supposed to be. You know, it's like front to back vinyl pressing of, the, of, of this record. Um, but for me, I just going into this, this, uh, this album, I thought, um, you know what? I, I believe in in these songs. I believe in this project. I'm just going to release it, you know, release a couple songs and then put the whole thing out there. And then afterwards, there are really no rules anymore of how you release your music. You know, Taylor Swift has done post single releases um, of her, her her songs as well. Um, and I was like, you know what? I I think each song stands on its own. And I think um, to put it in front of more people, I think I should release them by themselves after afterwards so why not do both a full album release and single release to kind of cater more towards like the music industry side of it um not necessarily like that's what i want to do but i just i want people to hear these songs and um i can then feature each song individually and kind of unpack what each song means instead of just here's a whole album and then i'm trying to like <laughs> you know kind of piece it all together and point to different songs and this way it's like spaced out over basically the next year um, and I can feature and credit and and really, you know, um, give the give the songs the attention that I want to give them instead of just saying, listen to my album. <laughs> so that's kind of where I am. I, I'm releasing and I'm also doing additional content. That was another thing. It was like I have so much uh, recorded music. Uh, so I have like instrument uh, instrument. Let's go back. <laughs> I have alternate versions of songs. I have demos of songs. I have instrumental versions of songs. Um, I have, I'm, I'm working on a, 
a feature with one of my friends who wrote one of the songs on the album. So um, I want to release those along with the with the song. So it's basically like re-release with extra extra content, and hopefully that like brings new listeners in. But then also the people that love the record get to hear kind of different versions of the songs in like a deep dive way. So I think it gives each song the attention that it deserves because every single song, like we said earlier, speaks differently. And it's also like a piece of the pie. Like sure. here is this song. And I feel like every song is so unique and every single song on the album serves a purpose. So to have that kind of grand entrance for each song, I think will help bring a lot of attention to that song. And mm -hmm. how are you releasing them as far as timed out? Like, do you have a specific yeah. time frame you're looking at for these? So I haven't really like announced that I'm doing this just because um, I, I've i done like, uh, I've done December, Tangerine Sunsets just came out, re-came re out, <laughs> was re-released. And then I, I'm basically doing like the first Friday or like the first week of each month right now that's kind of how it's framed up um but i i have um december january and february in the canon so up to february um and then we're gonna see what happens after that <laughs> i can't wait to hear all about it i think it's gonna be really really sweet i've listened yeah. to the album like front to back but giving that attention to each song i think is gonna be really cool so i'm definitely gonna hang out and i'm gonna cool. listen to those cool. every single awesome. time they yeah. come out yeah uh you mentioned your friends help make this album possible for you. Mm -hmm. How was having them a part of your journey and how did they make that difference for you? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Like, like I said, I mean, exactly what you said. I, I wouldn't be able to do, I wouldn't have been able to do this without them. Um, for example, uh, Luke Zirkel, who's one of my great friends, he like rode around in, in his truck with me listening to early versions of the songs and told me what, what songs he liked and what, what stood out to him. And he's not really necessarily a musical guy. Um, just, just from that to asking my wife, like probably 1000 questions, uh, or chasing father and Eastland and Joshua who went on a, uh, a photo trip. We went and did a bunch of photo and video. Um, we went to uh, red river gorge and, we, we spent two days uh, taking photos and videos and they just are they're the kindest uh, creatives around. <laughs> I love them so much and they're, they're dear friends of mine. Um, and uh, you know, the, the songs need visual representations and I think they've done a, an amazing job of doing that. So um, just, uh, and then, and you know, like Becca and Phil Matthews helped with, uh, with the coloring book and you know, just a lot of people donated their time to to specific portions of the of the project, um, and I'm I'm not a visual person at all, so it's amazing to have like this team of creatives that have that have made the visual part of the album happen. It's really cool to see the community you've surrounded yourself with and the people that have stepped forth to be a part of this journey with you. It's really, honestly, like touches my heart to see because I even see your stuff on Instagram and at the show i could tell how much it meant to you to have these people and how awesome the connections you made were you had mentioned going out of state like meeting different individuals and i just thought that was the sweetest thing ever like yeah. you really have made a way for yourself and have met so many awesome people along the way to bring with you yeah it's it's been um great because i'm not originally from this area and uh this this part of um ohio has been really supportive and just, you know, like playing concerts at Purebred uh, on their patio or whatever it might be, uh, you know, just this community has really 
um, embraced my music and, and my family. And, and we're just really thankful um, to be here and, and to be a part of this community. So, yeah. So out of pure curiosity, what is your favorite song on your Wide Awake release album and why is it your favorite? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I probably would answer this differently depending on the day. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably. <laughs> uh, just because I feel, you know, like we, not every song made the album. So all the ones that did uh, are, are super special to me. So it's, it, and I'm really indecisive as well. So it's really hard for me to, to make a decision on, on what's, what, which one is my favorite. But um, I really love Paint Me a Picture. Uh, the opening track, uh, I just, I wrote that song. Um, and then Will was like, the music and the lyrics don't really match. So we just completely rewrote the song. <laughs> I was like, I brought it to the studio, like, this is a finished song. And then Will was like, ah, no. And I was like, ah, <laughs> you're right. And so we re we rewrote that one. But I just, I love, um, I love playing that one. I, I really love playing that one live. And, and Wild Ride as well uh, with, with Edward and Jane. That would, uh, they, I asked them to be a part of the, the record and they said yes. And I was just like, I couldn't believe that they said yes. <laughs> yes, how was having them on your album? Like, how did that feel? Was it really fun to create with somebody else? Like yeah. have a different song with someone? It was so neat to, um, to have them a part of it in so many ways, like so many levels for me because um, they've been a huge part of my, my journey and, um, and I hope I've been a part of their journey. And that's what the second <laughs> verse of that song is. It's just how we, how we need each other, um, as artists and as people and as, as friends. And so, um, they just mean so much to me. Uh, and it's really cool. I mentioned John Foreman again, uh, earlier, but they opened for John Foreman about five years ago and I saw them. And I just kind of kept in contact with them. And then it rolled into, I was going to play some shows with them. And then it really developed into a, uh, to friends and they're just dear friends of mine now. And so when I asked them to be a part of it, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, you know, it's hard to ask someone for that big of a favor. <laughs> and they said yes. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, kind of like when, when you ask someone to homecoming and you don't think they're going to say yes. And then they say yes. And you're, <laughs> you're like, like oh, yes. my, oh, for real. Uh, and so it was so it was like it would be a big surprise for me. And then uh, Edward, who is Timothy Carpenter uh, in Edward and Jane, actually did all my graphic design stuff uh, for this album. So he was like a huge part of this album um, already. And so it was like, man, it was a huge ask. But sometimes you just have to ask, you know, <laughs> and I really wanted them to be a part of it. So I asked them to be a part of it. And then I was like, well, shoot, I have to write this song. I have to make this song um, good. And <laughs> I have to make it so that they, you know, I, I was writing it with them in mind the entire time. I was like, would they sing this? Like, it's, you know, talk, talking about like, prompting people to sing things. It's really weird to write uh, words for other people to sing. You're like, you, I really labored over it. So, um, but yeah, it was just really neat to, to see that process. Um, and then Brendan Kuhn, who is actually, um, in the, was in the band, uh, Edward and Jane, he produced the song and he, he basically made the whole track happen. And then he sent it to me and I recorded the vocals and I sent it to back to him and Edward and Jane recorded their part. Um, and it's really fun to do that. 
you know, obviously it's better to be in person, but the remote thing is actually really fun too. <laughs> I think it's cool to have creatives that you can kick back ideas off of one another. Yeah. And like you said, there's no harm in asking. And like that invitation created an amazing song. How did you guys even meet? Like, how did you guys become friends? How'd that whole thing start? Yeah. So I saw them, uh, I was with Jamie, who I mentioned earlier. We were at the John Foreman show. Got a burp. Sorry. <laughs> So I was with my friend Jamie uh, in Cincinnati and they were opening and they actually played uh, House of God Forever with John Foreman. And I was just like blown away. I loved their music. And then I listened to them for a couple of years and I would I would send them emails just like, hey, I love your guys' music. Just stayed in contact with them. And um, and then I invited them to, to Tip City a couple of years ago um, to play a show at the Roller Mill. And I said, you know, I'll I'll host you guys. You could stay at our house let me open for you. And then after that, it was like, it was, it was, um, it just developed into a friendship and I'm very, I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> that makes me so happy for you, especially knowing you used to like love their music yeah. so much and that yeah. you can become friends with people like that and that they were so down to earth to like be a part of it. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Like yeah. I love I'm, that. I'm genuinely a fan of them in all levels of the word, <laughs> but I am a huge <laughs> fan of them. Just like I listen, uh, Spotify rap just came out and my number one song was the knife by Edward James. Like, <laughs> uh, I really do listen to them a ton and I love, I love their music and, and who they are. So you have an eight month old daughter. I do. <laughs> How has this changed your perspective on the world and the music that you write? Uh, that is a huge question. Uh, and it's a great question. I get emotional. <laughs> um, so my wife Mary and I struggled with infertility for a few years, and um, from a very early age, I did not think that I was really going to be a father. I didn't think I was going to be. Um, I, I didn't think that that was going to be my calling. Um, and even from like middle school, I had this kind of dark cloud over me, and I just it was like this irrational fear that I wasn't going to be a dad. And then we struggled with infertility and it was like, well, that fear is, is true. And I started kind of listening to that. And, um, and I, I'm not, I don't want to say that like, you know, we prayed and, and God answered, uh, because he's not a, he's not a genie. Um, you can't just ask for things and get, get things from God. Um, but he decided, uh, because of his will and his plan that we would become parents and, uh, we praise him for that. And we're just very thankful, um, to be parents. And so it's, it just, I just wanted to frame the answer to this, this question, because I am just so thankful, um, to be a father to, to Winnie, her name's a Winnie, uh, Winnie Luna. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, she's amazing and she's changing every day and growing. And I've just loved being a father and, uh, and learning how to do that. And it's grown. Our, our marriage has grown. Uh, significantly, um, which has been so, so good. Uh, it's just been a, such a great time with her. Um, and so how has that influenced my writing? Um, it's, it's made my writing very difficult to happen because she, <laughs> she's all over the house. And so, uh, the writing is a little bit on pause, but I have written a song about her, um, and, and kind of just looking forward to doing things with her. It's a, it's kind of a simple song about, um, just looking forward to, to living life with her. Um, and that one happened pretty organically, which is funny because my friends are like, you're going to write so many songs about her. And I was like, 
maybe, I don't know. And then I sat down and it was like, they just kind of started coming. So, um, so yeah, she, uh, she's definitely influenced my writing already. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to leaning towards that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm in the studio, uh, here and there, I would say I'm really trying to let this project breathe, but, um, I have a couple things marinating and a couple things, <laughs> getting seasoned. Uh, yeah, getting seasoned up, um, for sure. And, uh, um, I'm working on nothing, nothing like set in stone, but I'm, I'm working with a couple friends on some different things. Uh, but nothing, nothing too concrete, just kind of dabbling and, and throwing darts at the dartboard with writing, uh, for lack of better words. So, um, but I haven't, I haven't been writing a ton. And if I say, yes, I'm in the studio, my wife, Mary will be very upset because she's like, let this project breathe. And she's so supportive of my music, but, um, I get caught up in, like you said, like I, I get caught up in, um, the next thing instead of just like being present and it's, it's hard. <laughs> it's good to enjoy the moment you're in and focus on now instead of what's next. Because I think that now, like that album, how it speaks to you right now, it's going to speak to you even more differently in six months. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow you may have a new understanding for it. So I think it is okay. Like right. I totally get where she's coming from where music is so in depth as it is that I think it's okay to let that sit. Yeah. And I life will, yes. I, need, I need that. Like I need people in my life to be like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. And it'd be okay if you never release another album, because I right. think that album speaks so much, but obviously music is a huge part of your life and I'm sure you'll do it forever. <laughs> How were days in the studio? We kind of talked about recording studio and like the hours you put into the music. What did your days look like? You said you recorded in Lexington or in Kentucky somewhere, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, right outside of Lexington. Okay. So yeah. I stayed with friends uh, of mine and, um, they, they let me stay for free. And I think we did nine days in the studio for the, for the majority of the record. Uh, they were like 15 hour days, about nine, 15 hour days. And a lot of that was, you know, not necessarily recording, but a lot of it was like, you know, uh, arranging and, and uh, producing and that sort of thing and just trying different things out. And uh, so, yeah, I think I went down to Kentucky for diff like three or four different stints. And so a lot of a lot of the record was recorded in those 15 hour days and then remotely after that. Um, and then a, a couple things were done locally. Actually, I have a good friend, Josh Rowe, who um, recorded vocals uh, with me on Anywhere in Between and Wild Ride. And then he also um, he also basically built the whole Anywhere in Between track. Um, and so um, I had that. He's very generous and, and amazing friend amazing friend to work with um so yeah a lot of it each song kind of has its own path they weren't all finished uh the same way or, or worked on the same way they're all kind of different um but for the most part a lot of the songs were were built and made in lexington and and kind of filled up over over time <laughs> in different places so we would send uh the track to a pedal steel player or an acoustic player um and it's it's hard to answer that question just because each song was different. I feel like people don't realize how much time it takes <laughs> to pour your heart and soul into this album. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. And then you have to sit on it. Like you know, we were talking about being patient and like not getting ahead of yourself and that sort of thing. And the first song was done uh, November of 2018, Kentucky, um, which is the fourth track on the album. It was done in 2018, and it was so hard not to release 
or like you know let it leak or whatever, whatever <laughs> like this was. is so good i have to share with everybody like, oh my gosh this is, and, and it kind of birthed the whole project it was like um you know it went extremely well and cole clark at sight glass sound studio in kentucky offered to record that song for free just so that i would go down to the studio and check it out and and he he was the guy that was running sound at the edward and jane show and um i just went down to do one song and i thought that was going to be it but it went so well it was like okay this this is where we need to do this album <laughs> um so it was really hard to sit on that song for so long and yeah so a lot of these songs have been done for years and i've been like basically the only one that's heard them <laughs> who would have thought one song would bleed into an entire album that's yeah, so crazy. awesome now, when I think of your name, Wide Awake for the album, mm -hmm. did that come to you before the album or did it take the album for that name to come to you? And what exactly inspired the name Wide Awake? Yeah, so a lot of times um, I'll have a title like my song Smoke and Fire, which is not on this album, but Smoke and Fire was the title of the song from the beginning. And I just was like writing towards the title kind of thing. I let the title drive um, the song. But with Wide Awake, it came at the very end and I had all these songs and um, actually, I was explaining it to Chase Burkell, who's a, a, a dear brother of mine. And I was kind of explaining um, what the album was about. And I, I, I was talking about these realizations that I was having and uh, realizations of not chasing a dream and realizations of finding contentment and realizations of, uh, you know, pursuing the Lord in the highs and lows. And, and he doesn't change and all these realizations. Uh, and he was like, why not wide awake? And Wide Awake had been, um, it's, it's a lyric in Chasing a Dream. It's, it, the song starts out, I'm wide awake in this dreamscape. Um, so this idea of just like living, you know, I'm living the dream, uh, not to be cliche, but I'm living the dream. I get to play my music for people. And, uh, and I think I'm just thankful and, and, try, and trying to find contentment in that. So I described it to someone else and here we are again, someone else came up with it. So I didn't do a lot of, that. <laughs> uh, I didn't, um, I needed, I needed help to, to make this whole thing happen. Like we've been talking about, even the title, uh, it, it, it came from another friend. So, um, once we had the title, we kind of, we ran with that, uh, for like the visual direction and, and the graphic design and the cover and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just about real, these realizations and, and, um, yeah. <laughs> it roots right back to your community, like everybody helping yeah, you make this happen. So and I think that's a very appropriate album name. When did you come up with the album name? Mm, I want to say, <laughs> I want to say in May. I, I can't, I'd have to look back. That's it's so kind cool. of a blur, you know, well, I feel like it's a blur. It's been a blur, you know, March of 2020 to, to now. It feels like a hundred uh, years and like, three seconds all yeah, at once. It's, like it's the weirdest thing it's ever. It's a really bizarre thing. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's hard for me to answer that. But I think it was before the the photo trip that we took in July. So we, we knew the album title going into that. So I think it was April or May. Everything from the album to the name, to the graphics, to the t-shirts, <laughs> everything. I'm like so amazed. I feel like everything ties together really well. You mentioned the coloring book. Mm -hmm. I even flipped through that. I was like, holy crap, this yeah. is so cool. And yeah. <laughs> artistically tasteful at the same time because for someone like me being a creative listening to something and then using colors to portray my feelings for the art created that's so cool that was yeah. such a good idea yeah the the coloring book was um kind of neat because we wrote in color and it's about uh you know it's kind of a variation of amazing grace i once was blind but now i see but it's about seeing in color 
Um, and so we, we wrote this song and like right when that song was written, I was like, how cool would it be to have a coloring book to kind of go along with this whole project? So not everybody is a musical person. Not every person resonates with music. So I just was trying to come up with a different way to digest the album um, in, a, in a different platform or a different medium. So, um, and Becca knocked it out of the park, as you said, like looking through, I've had so many people look through this, this book and say like, I can't color this, I can't ruin, ruin it. So she like hand drew each page and it's just incredible. Um, so for me, I'm not a visual person. I don't gravitate towards that, but I'm like, you know what? I think this would serve people really well. And this is another way that we can like credit everybody that's been a part of it. And then also incorporate the lyrics because I didn't, I didn't do like a lyric sheet in the, in the CDs or the vinyls. So I thought this would be kind of a different way to do that different creative way. So I think that's a really, really cool idea. I've never seen anything like it before. <laughs> cool. Was there a time in your life speaking of that song that you felt like you saw life in black and white and what exactly was the color that was filled in between those black and white lines for you? Oh, geez, that's a huge question. Yeah, I think for me, it's been the Lord revealing himself over and over again. Uh, and, and, you know, finally seeing a color is, is uh, really refreshing. And, um, you know, I, I don't have like a moment, you know, some people are like, I was, I was here when the Lord saved me. The Lord's just been saving me <laughs> over time and, um, and working on me that way. So for that question, I think for me, and you mentioned this, I think in your last episode, uh, just really experiencing um, something in the te in, in scripture or something really uh, helps you learn it. <laughs> so what I mean by that is, um, you know, a lot of times I read scripture and it's not, it doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, and then something happens and I'm like, oh, that's what that was about. And I, that was really vague, but basically like, um, I had, I, I've had terrible things happen to me in my life. And, um, I either, I either, uh, could have pursued what the Lord had for me and his will and forgiveness, or I could have turned away, um, from that. And I'm so thankful that, um, that he showed me the right way to go. Um, and that's super vague as well. But I think, I think that's when I started seeing in color when I did what Jesus was supposed to do and forget it forgave when I was supposed to forgive, um, and, and give mercy because I've been given mercy. Um, so I really think that's, that's seeing in color, you know, pursuing, pursuing the Lord and giving him glory and, and whatever, uh, whatever it is. And I, I, like I said earlier, I mess it up. I fall short. Um, but, uh, that's when, that's when he really started revealing himself to me in, in a real way. It's so different when you have God in your life versus when you don't, there are seasons that I just disconnect on accident. I don't mean to, but life gets ahead of me and I get busy and obviously no excuse, but I'm sure we've all been there as people that follow Christ and have mm -hmm. that part of our life. And then when you watch that and you let that bleed into your life, just like you're saying, you really do see life in color. Like it's not just black and white anymore. It's hard enough being human, but having that guidance and remembering that there's so much more to that, it's everything.
Yeah. And for me, it's not, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying like, I, um, I did the right thing. So go me. Um, but it's, it's, it has everything to do with, uh, what the Lord did on the cross, uh, what Jesus did on the cross and, um, really surrendering to that, um, and, and surrendering, surrendering to the gospel and, and, uh, understanding the, the gospel and internalizing the gospel. So, um, yeah, that's, that's seeing in color for me. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given or you would like to give to everyone listening? You hit me with the big ones. <laughs> uh, I think John Piper says it the best when he says, uh, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. So, um, really just pursuing satisfaction in the Lord and, um, maybe part B of that would be communicating that to people. So, um, you know, I pray that listeners would, would come to know Jesus, uh, and I pray that they would, uh, I pray that these listeners would, um, to un understand the gospel and see the gospel in my songs and then com communicate that with others. So fellow believers. Uh, I think really we've talked a lot about words and communication. And, uh, I think that's probably one of the best advices I could give is be intentional with your communication in every relationship, uh, that you have and, um, and words are really important and, okay, hold on. Words are really important, um, not only in life, but, uh, in, in worship and songwriting and that's really what i've found um these last few years and what the lord has revealed to me and uh ephesians 5 19 says be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ submitting to one another out of reverence reverence for christ so one of the big takeaways for me um going into this uh, this season of life and this, this album and all of this is, um, pointing to the Lord. Uh, but that verse, uh, uh, 19 also says addressing one another in Psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Uh, so we're, you know, worship is, is vertical, but it's also horizontal. And so I really hope that my music is, is that, uh, horizontal. We're in this together. Um, you know, kind of confessing sin or, uh, building one another, up uh in song and so that's what i hope this this album does i hope it's vertical and horizontal um i guess i could talk more about that uh bob coughlin has a really good book on true worship uh it's called true worshipers and he's from sovereign grace music in kentucky and uh it's a really really good book just about kind of orienting um worship as as being vertical and horizontal so um you asked about advice and those are the two authors <laughs> that pop into my brain, John, John Piper, and then Bob Coughlin. Uh, and then also the scripture. I, I feel like if someone asks me like what advice I have to give, I have to look, <laughs> look to scripture, um, you know, mainly cause I'll just get in the way of the answer. But um, yeah, so that was kind of a, a long winded way of saying, um, look to scripture and <laughs> look to the Lord. <laughs> when you say vertical and horizontal, yeah. what exactly does that mean? Yeah. So, um, on Sundays when we worship as a church body, uh, we are worshiping to the creator. 
to God. Uh, we're giving him glory. We're painting a picture of who our creator God is. Um, and we're giving him thanks for everything that he's done and who he is in Christ. And, and then horizontal is um, each other. We're building one another up. So it's not, worship isn't just between you and God. It's, it's with the church body. It's with fellow believers, uh, you know, kind of proclaiming these things together. So um, that's, that's a huge responsibility for worship leaders because uh, we are prompting the church body, the congregation to sing these words. Uh, and we could jump into that a little bit, but, um, you know, words are super important, uh, like I just said, but, uh, you know, really, I think that true worshipers book is, is about, um, worshiping in truth and not just worshiping, uh, out of emotion or whatever it is. Uh, so the songs that we do on Sunday, I, I don't always get this right, but the songs that we do on Sunday are biblical truths. They're gospel centered. Uh, they're very clear who who you're speaking to, um, because I think that's really important for believers and non-believers. Um, you know, I don't want uh, a non-believer to walk into our church and not understand who we're singing about just because we we say you and and I a lot. <laughs> so um, the songs that we do are we do a lot of sovereign grace music, and they're just super clear with their words and and they pull from scripture. And, it's just really refreshing, but I just went on a really long tangent, but I'm super passionate about, um, you know, leading, leading well. Uh, we've, we've been, my wife and I have been worship leaders at this little church in Piqua for about six years now. And um, the words, you know, the words that we sing are really important. The way we lead people are really important. I want to say um, that it's su super important to, to have truth. Uh, woven through the the worship songs. I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like music gets treated very differently in the way it's like, um, you know, we we expect sermons to be preached from you know, preached from the Bible, but I feel like a lot of churches go the other way with worship songs, where it's like it's more about like it's more about the the music. Then it mind. is about scripture. <laughs> yeah. But just yeah. like you were saying, spin, spinning off of that, when you come from truth, because I think as human beings, it's really, really hard to always come from straight truth, right? Like even just you, when you were giving your advice, you look to the Bible, mm -hmm. right? Because as a human, our varying emotions, our circumstance depicts the way that we're living our life, right? Like it's really, really hard to live exactly from truth every single day, which is why a lot of us spin off. Like right. we're not able to stay and walk this straight path, but that's also what's beautiful about it. When we look to truth, when we see the truth, when we live the truth, that is what makes the difference is living life out of truth because that's what's so hard as a human being is we have varying circumstances. Our circumstances aren't perfect, but the word of God stands still forever. Like that's not going to change. Our right. feelings will. Right. <laughs> so I completely agree with you. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I love where you came from with your advice. I love this whole <laughs> podcast. I am so excited for you guys to listen to this and I hope you loved it just as much as I did. I'm going to have to tag your music, Spotify, Apple Music. I'm going to link his website, all of the fun things you can do to support him and his music. I want you guys to give it a listen. I think you guys are going to really love it. Thank you so much. And if you have any questions about what I just stumbled through on that, send me a message or send me an email <laughs> or whatever, and I'd love to, to chat about it. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> See ya.